Well, hello there. My name is Matt Levon. I'd like to welcome you to the Foodscaper podcast, where we have conversations with edible landscape professionals. Part of this gig is, is you have to understand that you're going to be holding people's hand through this process and, and say, hey, I see you got this space. Do you want to put a garden in? And most of the time, they do. These are folks making their living, designing, installing, maintaining, food-producing, ecological landscapes for clients, for a living. Welcome back, Dave Scandura. Thank you so much for joining us again for the Foodscaper podcast and for giving us so much of your time. We're going to go ahead and dive back in and pick the conversation back up where we left off. I know that you said you're you're kind of like most passionate about you know the the food forest and the plants, and I think that that is one of the things that I find so inspiring by your work, and definitely a thing that we really connect on. Um, I think the thing that makes all the food forest work possible is, of course, the plants, and we talked about this earlier. And yep. it is so hard to not only get a lot of plants, but to get decent sized plants. So, oh yeah. For those who might just be like doing raised beds right now, but they're thinking, gosh, I, I want to plant, you know, beach plums and, and I want to plant pawpaws and service berries and American persimmons and yep, yep. cornice moss and gummies, yeah. like all the things that they're reading about. Um, what, what is your, <laughs> I don't want to say advice, but like, what, what are your, like, Give them the lay of the land a little bit in terms of what it, what it looks like, at least for you, to to access these plants. Yeah. Oh gosh, that that's definitely that's one of the biggest challenges. It's, it's yeah, um, is just sourcing the plants, um, which is why we have had to. Um, we have a small nursery type operation. We've always, I always have since the very beginning. It's like. I want to grow sea kale. Okay, well, I'm going to get a bunch of seed or I'm going to get a bunch of cuttings or, and I'm going to grow, I want to grow it for me, but ultimately I'm growing it out so that I can also propagate it, dig it up, pot it up and use it on installs. I mean, that honestly, if that's just something you have to do, I think if in order to get these plants, perennial vegetables and, and more niche permaculture style, like, you know, less common fruits and nuts and stuff you you gotta just it's so much digging and so much um digging like research wise but also you know digging um to to get them um i've started looking at wholesale nurseries that are you know in massachusetts or or within an hour um from me and there's a there's a, a, a bunch actually more than i kind of even knew about and you kind of, you look through their catalog and you'll find like, whoa, these people sell um, Cornelian cherry. Um, whoa, they have some interesting uh, varieties of persimmon. The more you dig, you might actually find um, wholesale nurseries that are within probably an hour of where you might be, especially if you're in a city, um, that actually have some of this stuff and at pretty good prices and pretty good sizes too. Um, but you... It, working with the wholesale, you kind of have to order a lot at once. Um, you're definitely ordering plants for multiple jobs. Um, you're dealing with deliveries or pickups. You know, it's it's like 
we do that in like in the early in the spring like we'll do a few like de big deliveries from some of these um nurseries and oftentimes I'm, I'm buying stuff that i don't have a job for like i'm like i'm buying 10 of these beautiful pawpaws because they look so good and when i want a pawpaw in october i'm probably not gonna be able to find one so i'm buying it now because this is when i can find it um definitely a lot of that stuff but that's the challenge too because then you're sitting there watering pawpaws every day and you don't even have someone to buy them yet and it's like it's 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 frustrating kind of you know it's challenging um because you want to hook people up with the groovy stuff that they've read about um but a lot of times that you get the brunt of it where you're like you're watering these plants for months and months until you finally someone wants a you know a, an asian persimmon or or whatever and uh, my nursery at home has all kinds of stuff like that right now all the stuff that i like i bought extra of in the spring that now i've just been watering it every day hoping that someone's going to come around and say oh yeah i want i want five pawpaws and you're like sweet we're gonna do this job um but yeah definitely figuring out propagating stuff on your own um, doing things from seed every year there's more and more nurseries doing the doing this cool stuff and and even bigger nurseries are offering more and more cool stuff. It sure is interesting because, yeah, plants are definitely... I'm a plant-centric landscaper and person, and so that's just what... That's what's passionate... That's what I'm most passionate about. So I want to hook people up with the cool stuff, with the stuff that I know is going to work. And, and um, the idea of just going to the local nursery and buying, like, whatever they have because it looks good or um, buying stuff that's less than like what you wanted or cool you know it's not as it's like that's not why i, I want to do this business i want to i want to like i want to plant the, the cool stuff that people are the people are interested stuff, in, as you know? said yeah 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 no i totally resonate with that i mean that's been the same thing that we've gone through and it's been yeah it's kind of depressing to just have so many plants on hand that we don't really know who's gonna buy but it's the only way that we can plant the things that we're excited about and yep. uh, so we just hold on to them because, you know, for those who are not, um, who haven't gotten into the plant world so much, you know, basically all this stuff is available in the spring in a very short window. And then if you want to plant this at any other time of the year, you have to have bought it and loaded up. Um, it, that's at least sounds like we have the same experience in our markets. Absolutely. One of the things I've found that tracks exactly with your experience is mm -hmm. the unique wholesale offerings that are out there and some of it um like we even have big nurseries here in town who have like plant broker relationships yeah and they'll just like go find this stuff yep yeah through some random vendor in the world <laughs> right and yeah absolutely that i was gonna say that like often if you go to your local nursery down the road or whatever you just tell them, Hey, I'm looking for this. I'm looking for that. Maybe even give them a list. Like, can you get these? And they'd be surprised. Like they, they can often get you what you might be looking for. It might take them some time and it depends if you have a relationship with them or not. But, um, yeah, I've been surprised that like I've put some, some orders in from just local nurseries and like, eventually they, they're like, Hey, we found, we found those persimmons. Like, what? So yeah. Real quick, I just want to tell y'all about my friends at Stark Brothers Nursery. 
These folks stock over 300 varieties of fruit trees and berry plants and they will ship them directly to your door. One thing I really appreciate about them is just the quality of their plants. They even offer a handful of potted plants, which I find super convenient. And Stark has really just jumped in with us on this foodscaping movement and are helping to inspire people to do less mowing and more growing. So you can check them out at starkbrothers.com. They have a ton of educational content and we will link to them in our show notes. And now back to our chat. Yeah, so it sounds like, you know, you're using this combination of kind of buying extra plants ahead of time, talking to your wholesale folks, as well as having your own nursery on hand. Like anything else relevant to this to this conversation in terms of like, how do you how do you manage an inventory to actually run your edible landscaping business? Oh, that's, that's, that's tough. I mean, we just, we just have this area where it's kind of near where we park the trucks and it's kind of set up for all the overflow. Like any time we're ordering plants, they just go in this area. We know that we're going to water them there. Um, any plants that are left over from a job or, or those awesome times when you get to dig up cool plants from a job and take them home, Score. they all just, they go into this area, you know, and then sometimes we're able to use those on other jobs. It's like that people call that double dipping. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily ethically wrong. It's, it's, it's tough. It is tough, but it's, it's a necessary thing. And I think the more that we are doing this stuff, the easier it's going to be to get the stuff we want. Yeah. And one of the things that some folks ask me is like, you know, what do I need to do to start my own nursery, you know, who are mm -hmm. trying to like sell these things. And I, I feel like one of the things I'm often advising is that they, they just buy these things small from other places and just grow them out for me, you know, oh, yeah. because there's a lot of stuff available in the world, but it's so small that we can't plant it for a client. Yeah, I don't know if you've had anything to say on that or if that's been your same experience, but... Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's basically what I do. I mean, that's all I do. You should see my my, my spring is always insane. I, I can't stop myself from trying new plants. I From buying seeds online from all kinds of different places or, you know, starting them really early uh, because most most perennial plants, unless they're very domesticated they want to be sown in like the winter. So they get that cold stratification thing. Um, but man, I, I, I am every year I'm experimenting with new plants um, and growing them out, seeing how they work, seeing how they taste. And eventually I can use them in jobs. It's, but you gotta do, yeah. I mean, if you want to be able to offer some of the niche rare stuff you you basically have to do that because you're not going to find a nursery selling landscape ready sea kale like you're just not and, and sea kale is a, such a great plant like all around just badass but i've planted sea kale a lot little little tiny little you know chunks and and it, it takes a couple of years for that plant to get to the point where you can walk away from it and say all right this plant's good it's 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 gonna fend for itself and so many perennials are like that i mean you know, the class, everyone always says, like, everyone knows the thing about asparagus. They're like, oh, but you can't, can't harvest that until three years after you plant it, which is like kind of true. Um, but that's, that's pretty much the same to be said for almost any um, edible perennial plant. Like 
you can't just start it from seed and then eat it that year, like, or even plant it out in the landscape. Like you're going to have to baby that along for a couple of years before it can be like, before it can be ready, ready for the landscape. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned sea kale, like I'm just chomping at the bit here. It's kind of like, all right, Dave, <laughs> I mean, I know you got like an encyclopedia of plants hanging out in that head of yours, but, <laughs> but like, give us, you know, I think a lot of people are probably familiar with things like asparagus, but if you're kind of a newbie and you're trying to get into edible landscaping and offer some of these more like food forest, edible forest garden type plantings to your clients, like what are a few of the others that pop up to you? Like these are, these are five-star perennial vegetables that, that need yeah. to be in the, in everybody's plant palette uh, on the, in the, of course, if they're climate appropriate. Yeah. Um, so, oh man, don't get me started, kid. Uh, this is like, this is the I kind know, of, I'm we gonna, can I'm do a rain you in. Just, just give us, a, just give us like <laughs> the ones that are just like too good to miss. Yeah. So, one that I have been loving the last uh, three years is um, is Hablitzia, Hablitzia tamnoides, um, also known as uh, Caucasian mountain spinach, I believe, or just. Caucasian spinach or whatever. It's, it's a perennial in the spinach family that's a kind of a herbaceous um, vining plant. What I love about it is it grows really well in like shade, um, which is great to have to have edible plants, edible perennial plants that like that want shade. Because every landscape, not every landscape is going to have full sun, but every landscape is going to have shade somewhere. You're always going to be looking for a good, especially like a, let's say a fence. Let's say you have a fence that throws a ton of shade behind it. Have let's see a tamnoides because it will climb that fence. It loves the shade. It'll reach for the light. Um, and it tastes awesome pretty much all year round. It starts to look really shabby midsummer, but um, that, that seemed to be said for yeah. a lot of things. Do you cut it back? Because mine looks terrible right now. Yours looks bad right now? Yeah. I cut my yep. I cut mine back. I actually sort of did a twofer. I just uh, probably about three weeks ago. I, I it it, it had finished going to seed, um, and so I I cut everything back so I could harvest all that plant material that had seed on it, and I've got it drying in a in a Rubbermaid tote by the dehumidifier in the basement so that I can um, kind of beat it all out and get those seeds out because. It's been doing great from seed for me, even in, I can actually plant out Hablitzia. That's one plant that I can grow from seed and I can plant it out in June. And it can actually, as long as it has an eye on it, someone watering it or just, you know, keeping a side eye, um, you can actually grow that out and make it landscape ready in that first year, which is amazing for, for a perennial vegetable. Um, same is said for good King Henry. Actually, I can grow that out from seed and, and, that can be landscape ready in the first year, um, which is a perennial, another perennial spinach, actually not good for raw eating at all. Um, but when you cook it, it's, it's totally, um, better than, better than spinach hands down. Absolutely. Like the, the, the classic annual spinach, um, good King Henry, you cook that up and it's, it maintains this awesome texture, um, and just tastes so good. Um, I love the plant. Uh, it, uh, called skirt, uh, CM Cicerum. Yeah. Skirt. Um, that's a perennial, basically a perennial parsnip. 
um, also can handle a ton of shade um, and basically self-propagates. That's something I'm definitely looking for in a plant is the, can it like, can it grow and can it continue to get bigger to the point where I can take chunks of it, plant it elsewhere, divide it up. Um, that's huge. Like I, I want plants like that in my life. Um, especially cause we're talking about, you know, it's hard to find them in the first place. So if you can get plants that just kind of like spread on their own, um, that's great. You know, um, sea kale, you can do that with, um, let's see what's, uh, yeah, give it. Give us one more good one. Then I want to hear what your, <laughs> what your latest excitement is. I think is. my latest one that I've been loving is is passion flower. I know you share a deep love for passiflora incarnata. Indeed. Um, you know, it's just. I mean, because when people see that flower, they just they just go, "Wait, we can grow that here? Like that? That's a that's a passion flower." You're like, "Hell yeah, it is!" And hell yeah, you can. You know, and, um, and not only is it just beautiful ornamental, but those tips almost all the season, basically any of that fresh growth that comes from the tip, if you can snap it, then you can eat it. Um, it's definitely a cooked green, but I know you're hip to that, Matt. It's, um, just the idea of eating, um, greens that are, you know, perennial, um, just is kind of like my passion. And, um, I will say though, I would caution um, I would not recommend planting the pa- passiflora incarnata, the native passion flower, the maypop passion flower, um, like in your sort of prime veggie growing area. It can become very much a weed, um, which is again, it's a quality that I'm looking for in a plant. Like I want plant, I want these guys to become weeds so that I can, Hey, I can dig this up and now I can plant it in a customer's, um, yard. Um, it needs something to climb on. It's a vine. Um, but you can, for two years, you can like my guy, Sean, who works with me, I I gave him a couple little chunks of, uh, root last year. His passion flower this year is absolutely nuts. It's like 15 feet tall and eight feet wide and tons of fruit on it and flowers. And just from being in a, in a nice microclimate, like a nice South facing wall. And, and he gave it something nice to climb on, like just a piece of lattice or something. Yeah. It's an incredible plant and it is. It is a great example, I think, of why edible landscaping is challenging because if you don't have a great grasp of what is going to happen with these plants over the years, you know, you can make a huge mistake and end up yeah. with a weedy mess in somebody's, you know, yard that you're yep. obviously trying to do something professional. So, you know, yep. I, I want to explore the this theme of like, the the manicured more or like the palatable edible landscape with you and and how mm-hmm. i don't know if you have any thoughts on it but i i did see this one instagram post of yours where you're kind of like walking through this food forest path and you have these these beautiful what look to be like wood chip pathways that are you know light brown beige color and then you're kind of meandering through this this leaf mulch dark black these these landscaped beds these little guilds that kind of make up what to to me looks like a whole food forest and to me it looks really approachable and really palatable and and not nearly as kind of like wild as the you know the passion fruit forest garden where it's just like oh there's shoots coming up everywhere and if you don't know what a you know passion fruit shoot is like you're kind of screwed because it's it's about to climb everything like yeah what what do you think 
like newbie edible landscapers need to be thinking about in order to create edible landscapes that are diverse and full of many of the plants that you love, but also palatable for a larger audience? Yeah, that is, that's a, that's a great question. And it's something that I definitely, I think about a lot. I'm always one of the things when I'm meeting with a new customer, um, I actually, I used to have it as a question on my form. I took it off because people were telling me my, my consultation form was too long. So I made it, <laughs> made it way shorter, but I used to ask, I had this question. It was like, um, what's the aesthetic that you're, I'm paraphrasing, but essentially it was like, do you want your property to, to like look laser sharp? Like, or, or on the other end of that spectrum, it's like kind of a wild, like you're okay with your property getting like a little like letting nature just be a little more wild and like, um, whatever, or look a little bit like a farm or something like that. And it, it, it's an intro, like I'm always trying to read the customer in that way. Like, I really want to know, like, are you into like letting things get a little, little wild or, or do you, are you going to want things to be like a little more static and like the, the most popular landscape plants that are conventional and current and common are when you think about them, they're, they're very static. They're very slow growing, very moundy, very like, um, they don't spread that much or, or maybe they do if it's like Pachysandra or Vinca or something like that, but it's a predictable spread. Um, or like hydrangeas or very compact, very, very tame. Um, cause if that's the look that they're going for, then, then we're probably not going to plant passion flower or, um, you know, Turkish rocket that's going to like go to seed and then like just become a weed for them. Um, so that is such an important thing to try to tap or try to figure out early on as, you know, is like, are these people cool with stuff getting a little crazy? a little wild. That's the kind of customer. I, I, I love that kind of stuff. Cause that's, that's, that's me. I mean, I love letting nature kind of do its thing and kind of tending it and stewarding it, but, but embracing the wildness for sure. Um, but not everyone's on that page. Most, most, in fact, most of my customers are definitely not on that page. They're like, you know, well, I don't want it to look like a jungle. Like I want to be able to like, so wide pathways is definitely, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll do a job and I'm like, damn, these, these pathways are bigger than like, like they're taking up more space than the freaking plantings themselves. But like, that's important for people who don't know anything about any, like the plants or whatever in there. And you make your pathways nice and wide if it's a food forest thing, because you're, you're going to get encroachment into the pathways. A lot of the woodies, the shrubs and the vines and whatnot. Yeah. I love that you asked that question. I almost feel like I'm thinking about some kind of one to 10 question, like on a scale of one to 10, how messy or tame yeah. do you, do you like your landscape to look? Yep. Yeah. I, that's essentially that was the question. And <laughs> most people actually were like, well, it would be always, it'd be depressing when someone would answer it. Like, I don't, I don't want my property. Like, I don't even really like, sometimes people would fill out our consultation form and select like the one all the way to the side, which is like, I just want my property to look good. And then I'm like, why are you reaching out to us? <laughs> right. There's like 17,000 landscape companies that'll make your property look quote good. Um, and that's, we all have a different version of what that looks like too. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that you're doing that's so important to transforming that paradigm of what good 
is to somebody is education. Um, yep. And I'd, I'd love to, we're nearing the end here, so I'd love to transition just real quick, you know, to hear a little bit about what you're doing from an educational perspective. But if I can, before we jump into that, I wanted to just read this one Instagram post that really stuck out mm-hmm. to me. And you were, you're leading this foraging walk um, and you found this lethal, you know, the spotted hemlock. And you, mm-hmm. you're cautioning people, okay, don't eat this unless you're 110% sure. And, and, and then you tell people, okay, so people often ask, how do I know what all these plants are? It comes with time and years out in the field, flipping through field guides, getting to know the plants, and being inquisitive and humble about what I actually know. But once we know a plant, it becomes a friend, and we'll never forget it. Identifying plants in the wild is like running into friends while you're out and about. Once you're friends with someone, you've never, you're never going to forget them, and you'll be able to recognize them when you bump into them. I believe foraging for edible wild plants is a great way to connect deeper with this beautiful planet that we call home. That was like a beautiful poem that spoke to my heart. Oh, man. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I feel Thanks. that so deeply because I until the veil was lifted for me, you know, I didn't see any of the, the living, the biophilic world around me as just a huge conglomerate of friends that are supporting life and creating magic all around me. Um, Mm -hmm. what, what are you all doing educationally that, that gets you excited? A ton. And, and I, to anyone listening who, you know, are at an early stage of trying to do this kind of thing for like a career or job or gig or whatever you're definitely going to need to do educational stuff and i've found um libraries libraries are so cool i mean you know they're they're just these places that are free to go and get whatever book you want and librarians are so cool and they and they generally are so hip to things and if you basically i've done so many over the years um I've done so many uh, presentations through local libraries and they pump it up. They'll even pay you a lot of the time. Like I, I didn't accept money the first couple of years, but now yeah, I charge two or 300 bucks or whatever to do a presentation on, you know, I've done on permaculture or just edible landscaping in general, or um, some of the best edible plants that um, I have a handful of PowerPoint style presentations that I've done over the years. Um, you, you really, you, you have to, I mean, it's such a n- new thing that you just, part of this gig is, is you have to understand that you're going to be holding people's hand through this process and, and people are just not where you're at with like, like, you know, knowing about weird, rare edible plants. Like they're like thinking like, I like strawberries. I like blueberries. Um, I like apples. So it's your job to, introduce them to new things and, and stuff like that. Um, so education is just core to, to what we do. I have done a lot of stuff over the years, different, like different schools, um, programs or, or just one-off things where we'll go and do like a, um, a presentation or go help them establish a garden or something. I, I, I've done a last handful of years, steady project or ongoing thing over at, at two different YMCA's um, on Cape near me say, Hey, I see you got this space. Do you want to put a garden in? And most of the time they do. Um, it's just a matter of funding and and having the money to do it. Maybe even like I've written some blogs for other, for local publications that I'm not 
I'm not charging for, you know, I'm just putting it out there. Um, yeah, you got to put in that pay your dues kind of thing, you know, and, and hold the hands through it, you know? Yeah, I think that is uh, really great advice to this whole question of like, how do I start to get my first clients, you know? Yeah. And I know that friends and family were a great place to start just to like get photos and feel like yep. I'm going, getting some reps in. But then after that, it's kind of like, well, I got to go do these free talks, like plant nurseries I found to be really good as well as like I did some library stuff, but like the local plant nurseries, they're trying to sell vegetable starts or they're trying to sell their own apple trees or other things. So yep. if you can kind of, you know, help them with their sales by talking about how great it is to grow a garden, then yep. it's a win-win. Absolutely. Absolutely. They'd love to have someone come in and talk about that. So there's definitely a lot of opportunity to do that. And I think, you know, I think I could understand like people not wanting to do it because of like the whole like imposter syndrome, like someone like, Oh, I don't know enough about this to, to do a presentation on it, you know, but, but if you're super stoked about it and like, just talk about what you're really excited about, um, or learn something one particular thing pretty well enough to where you probably know more than the people in the room and just talk about that like whatever um whatever's really stoking your fire because that's gonna that's just gonna work you know people love that yeah that's infectious dave unfortunately we're we're, we're coming to a close and i'm i'm bummed because i've got like a whole page of notes of things I wanted to pick your brain around that we're, we're not going to get to in this conversation, but in the next one. Um, but you're 10 years in now and you've have touched the lives of so many people. Um, to kind of close this out, I'm just curious, like what, it, it, what advice you might have to somebody who's kind of just getting into this business or thinking about starting, you know, a foodscaping company. Um, what, what would be your big, big piece of advice to them if you know you want to do it just do it um don't don't get don't let the fear get the best of you um you're probably gonna need some kind of flexible part-time job while you're getting it off the ground um or like an investment of some kind um don't don't be scared about don't let people say, Oh, you need to have a business plan or something like that. Like I didn't have a business plan. I, I still don't have like a, a quote business, but I know what a business plan is, but like, I've just done what I, what I wanted, like what I really am stoked about. And, um, it's taken some time to get there, but, but sure. If I had a business plan, I could, I probably could have, this business could have been profitable much sooner, but it was like, you know what? I just want to help people grow food. I'm going to have to pay my dues. I'm going to probably do some freebies. Um, I'm going to do a lot of free consultations at the beginning. Um, but it's just part of the thing. And, and, but it's, it's such an exciting field to be in. Um, it's totally worth it. Like I, I can't imagine doing anything else at this point. I'm like, I'm, I'm in it and I'm like, I'm, I'm, going to do this for the rest of my life or until my knees freaking give out on me. Um, but even then I, I hope to still do it to some degree. Um, you know, follow whatever about this whole field that we've been talking about, like 
I'm sure there's a particular thing that might be ja- like making you really stoked the most, then, then double down on that. Like whether it's you want to get really good at raised beds or you want to get really good at, um, you know, food forests or, or even just maintenance. That's, that is actually another thing that I, I need to say is don't be scared or, or don't be too, um, above doing grunty landscape work. I mean, that, that is just the nature of the beast. Um, when we, we just do so much, a lot of what we're doing is like, we're mulching, we're, we're weeding, we're a lot of just like, we're doing work that other landscape companies would do. We're like some, a little bit of mowing, but not like, not a lot at all. But, um, you kind of have to just do like, in order to get your business off the ground for for it to stand on its own feet, you're going to have to do like all kinds of odd (laughs) things that you didn't expect that you'd have to do fencing, um, just irrigation, troubleshooting, and just jumping in the fire and figuring shit out right on, like, in on the spot um that's just every day every day is something new that i'm like learning and and kind of have to have that growth mindset um but um if you want to do it and you know you want to do it you're gonna do it it's gonna work it's gonna be fine and because nature wants us to do this i think you know like earth you know we need to just if we if, if we're if we're if we have that deep love for for our earth at our foundation i think it's just it's all gonna it's all it all will work out you know Mm. keep that deep love of mother earth at the foundation yeah that sounds like you know some some good words to live by (laughs) yeah well hopefully you know the our, our collective work as foodscapers is helping to create more of that in the world and and you know certainly all that love in your heart um, it comes through in, in all your passion. So I can't thank you enough for, for talking, for sharing that passion, sharing your wisdom and your years of experience. Um, absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for doing all your stuff with Foodscaper. I mean, this is so cool. I feel like it feels awesome to be, you know, validated in a certain way. Like, um, I think what you're doing, what the Foodscaper is doing is, um, is just excellent need more of it well thanks brother we are uh we're looking forward to staying in touch here and seeing how we can continue to support each other heck yeah all right well with that i will say goodbye and um and hopefully talk to you soon excellent sounds great matt thank you so much and uh awesome keep it up thank you so much dave appreciate it thank you you keep it up right on all right ciao 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 If you've heard us talk about the Foodscaper Summit on this podcast, but didn't actually attend the summit, well, go on over to the courses page at thefoodscaper.com, where you can find the recordings to all the classes that comprise the Foodscaper Summit. We had amazing sessions on everything from how to design and install professional foodscapes to sessions on the ins and outs of running a foodscape business. We had presentations on the plants that will most easily thrive for clients as well as honest conversations about how to make a profit and a sustainable living with this work. So if you're thinking about getting into this profession, this is a huge opportunity to learn from people who've been in your shoes and truly have so much to share.